some of us more than others. Don't, somebody did this. I won't tell you who it was. But uh, you're all slow. We're all slow. We're all dense. We need to hear the story over and over again just to make it be a part of our life. So on the second Sunday of Advent, I want to invite you to, to go back again before the baby Jesus, before Mary, before Joseph, before the shepherds, before the wise men, back again as we were last week, back to the prophet Isaiah. The Hebrew people are longing and waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And this passage in Isaiah, this passage is, is, is one of the, water, uh, the high water marks of hope, not just in Isaiah, but I think in all of Scripture. I'd invite you to turn there and to stand in honor of God's Word this morning. Isaiah uh, chapter 11, starting with the first ten verses. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees in his eyes or decide by what he hears from his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with his rod, the rod of his mouth. With his breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will lie down with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf will lie down with the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed the bear, their young will lie down together, the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. You can be seated. Isaiah lived in a time of turmoil. You might remember that, that the Hebrew people now have been split into nations. The, the northern kingdom, Israel, has already been captured by the Assyrians. And, and in Isaiah's lifetime, the southern kingdom of Judah, captured by the Babylonians, and the people are in captivity. Even before they became slave people, they, these, two, these two groups, Israel and Judah, they, they, had had a, they had had a long procession of bad leaders, leaders who, who, who didn't glorify God, leaders who made difficult and bad choices. They didn't care about justice. They didn't care about people. And now God's people were reaping the fruits of turning from the Lord. It was a dark, dark time. That's the context in which he's writing. But it's in the midst of this darkness. It's in the midst of actually being a people that, that, are, that, that are slaves that he writes these words. He has a vision. Uh, a vision of what God will do. Isaiah is, is allowed to look beyond the immediate and to look into a bright future. But at the moment, his country is in ruins. Judah is, is in ruins. Israel describes the, the condition of the nation as a, as a forest that has been wiped out. Like all the trees are gone. It's just been clear-cut. It is utter devastation. This week, my son Harley... Is he here somewhere? There you are. Hey. This week, Harley brought um, a jar of Mount St. Helens ash to school. I didn't even ask you why you brought that. I should have asked you why, why you brought it. I'm sure you had a good purpose for it. But, but uh, on the way to school... Uh, he said, uh, do you remember Mount St. Helens? I said, oh, yeah, I do. And, and he said, well, what was it like? 
And we started talking about it because I remember it very vividly. I remember very vividly the, the, the ash laying on the ground, May 18, 1980. How many, how many of you were affected by Mount St. Helens? I remember the, the ash laying. How many of you weren't even born? Okay, good. I'm going to tell you a little history story. The ash laid all over the ground. I, I remember that. And, and it hung in the air just like a, a fog. And we had to wear masks when we went outside. And, and it would just it smelled and it was just horrible. But, but far beyond anything that we experienced just north of Spokane were the pictures, the pictures of forests that were closer to the, to the blast that were just entirely wiped out. Entire forests just laying there like matchsticks. It was utter devastation. I, I remember that very clearly. And every time I read this passage from Isaiah, I remember May 18, 1980. What, what it was like to, to have an entire, uh, an entire forest devastated. That's the picture that Isaiah is trying to give of, of where Judah is at. A whole nation that has been clear-cut. A whole nation that has been knocked down. There seemed to be no hope. But Isaiah has a vision. He writes, From the stump of Jesse, a shoot shall bring forth. Out of this apparent good as dead people, God is going to do something with the descendants of Jesse that is going to make a huge difference. It's going to change the world. That's one of the reasons that we tell this story over and over again, is we are reminded that God is in the business of taking the stumps of our life and growing something out of them. God is in the business of redeeming the stumps of our life those places that have been broken down, those places that have been cut, those places that seem like they they will never return again, God is in the business of redeeming those things that are broken. Isaiah foresaw a ruler that would be unlike one that Judah had ever seen. He writes, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord with righteousness. He shall judge and decide the equity for the meek of the earth. At one of its lowest moments, Isaiah saw a glorious future that God had prepared. And at the least likely time, I mean, the the, the nation is a mess. At the least likely time, he shares a word of hope. We, We read this scripture again and again at Advent because we are reminded that in the least likely moments, in the most unlikely ways, God broke into the world and gives us hope. We tell the story of Advent over and over again because even today in the most unexpected places and through the most unexpected people, in some of the most unlikely places, God is still in the business of breaking in. God is still in the business of giving hope. The story that we tell every year at this time, the Christmas story, it, it, it might be that it's just gotten so familiar to us that we lose the, the honest of it. It has just gotten so familiar to us that, that we lose the, the ability to see just, just how unlikely it all, how unexpected it was. That, that God himself would, would take on flesh and, and that he would come. And, and, and I mean, that itself is beyond our, our comprehending. But, but even if we're able to wrap our, our, our brain around that a little bit, the how of how he did it, the how of how he did it makes no sense to us at all. I think I've, I've often said, I think if I'd have been God, I'd have done it very differently. Probably a good thing I wasn't. I mean, you know, seriously, would you come to a barn? Would you do all those things? I mean, if I'd have been God, I'd have done it in a way that had a lot of trumpets, you know, and a lot of spotlights and a lot of stuff like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I'd have the looks of Tom Cruise and the popularity of Billy Graham and the money of Bill Gates all rolled into one. I, I think that's how I would do it. But look at what God did. Jesus was born in the backwater country of 
place called Judah. The peasant parents who were not even married. He's born in a barn and it's not even his barn. Nothing about Jesus' birth is expected. Joseph knows that he's not the father and so he's making provisions to to divorce Mary and then all of a sudden an angel shows up and says, Joe, that baby's not yours, it's God's. And miraculously, Joe says, okay, I'll go with it. I believe you. It's not just surprising that, that Mary is having a baby. There's Mary's cousin, old Elizabeth, and her husband, Zechariah, ready for the nursing home, or, or at least assisted living. They're, they're on their way. And some of you who might find yourself in that age just had the great fear come over them that maybe God might give you a child uh, in, in that kind of way. The Savior of the world. I'll let you recover for a moment. The Savior of the world, born in a barn, and the only ones to greet him there are lowly, smelly shepherds. Nothing about it is expected. Isaiah's vision is a perfect picture of Advent because it tells us that God does things not like we would. God does things that are unexpected. God works in ways that don't always line up with the way we would make our plans. And how many times have we been able to look back and see I see how God took that. If I'd have done it and been this way, God took it and he did something far better than if I had been in charge. God is at work to bring hope even in the most amazing and surprising ways. In times of despair, in times when the, in times when the forest has been knocked down, God again and again has come alongside of his children and said there is hope in the midst of this place. With God, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. Advent is a reminder of that. It's a reminder that God is in the business of breaking into our world and breaking into our lives in surprising ways. Isaiah goes on with his, with his vision, and it's, it's here that it actually gets really crazy. He writes this, The wolf shall lie with the lamb, the leopard lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion battling together, the little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child will pl- play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. Now people read that and they say, man, what's going on with that? They, they, they come and ask questions like, Pastor, Pastor, like in a perfect world, is the lion really going to lie down with the lamb? I mean, have the wolves just been mistaken of their purpose of life? I mean, would God set things right? Are all the animals going to be vegetarians? Will the lions really taste straw? Will we go for Christmas presents and buy poisonous snakes and put them in the stockings of our children? Is that what the perfect world would look like? Don't, don't get caught up in the poetry of the moment. Look deeper. What he's really saying here is, is, that, is that the world that, that God envisioned is a world with no predators and no prey. And if you still think, think I'm talking about lions and lambs, think of other predators and prey. Isaiah foresees a world where there are no scam artists who take advantage of seniors. There are no pedophiles who abuse children. There are no drug dealers that create young drug addicts. Where no one uses bullets to settle disagreements or to express displeasure. The strong no longer abuses their power over the weak. Exploiters change their ways. People are not subject of ill treatment or corruption. And the vulnerable are no longer in danger. Isaiah envisions a world where that kind of abuse does not happen. It is a vision of a world of righteousness and justice and peace. But friends, you and I don't yet live in that world. And you don't need me to tell you that, but this is not a perfect world. 
Not even close. We, we live in a place in which, in which the first advent has, be, has been fulfilled. Christ has come. But we live waiting for him to finish that which he has started. We are a people who live in the meantime. We, we do not live in a perfect world. For, for in a perfect world, at, at 44, I would, I would feel as, uh, uh, as good as I did at 17, maybe. Or at least at 44, I would be as smart as I thought I was at 17. That would be a perfect world. In a perfect world, potato chips might have calories, but if you put them in dip, the calories go away. That would be a perfect world. But we know that we don't live in a perfect world. And you and I could tell stories. We could tell stories of the past. We could even tell stories of today where we have done our best and something has gone wrong. Too often it seems that that's the kind of world that we live in. Despite our best efforts to make the world a better place, sin and evil and hurt and pain are with us. And for many, life looks bleak. But it was at just that time. It was at just that time when things were the darkest. It was just that time when the forest had been laid down. It was just at that time when things were at their worst that God stepped into history in a surprising, completely unexpected way, and Jesus was born. That no matter how bad things might be, if hope can be found in a clouded pregnancy, in a borrowed barn, and dirty hay, and smelly shepherds, if hope can be found there, hope can be found anywhere. There is no place that you've gone and nothing you've experienced, the darkest place that it is, that God doesn't come alongside and is with us. That's why we tell the story of Advent again and again and again. We need to be reminded in the midst of the circumstances that we face that God is always the God of hope. Advent reminds me that we are a people of hope. Advent reminds me that we have a hope-filled future even in the darkest moments. God can break in in wonderful, unexpected ways. What are you hoping for? this Advent season. Some are hoping for the perfect gift. Some are hoping just to make it through all the shopping and all the stuff. Some are hoping to just make it through. We have hopes. We have hopes for our families and hopes for our kids and hopes for our community. We have hopes for our church. But not everyone is feeling hopeful. Some feel weighed down by the burdens of the circumstances they find themselves in today. Some are facing anxiety over what tomorrow will bring. Some are struggling with grief. This time of year brings up the loss of those who aren't with us. Some are going through heart-wrenching experiences. Some, their life looks like the clear-cut forest that's been laid bare. That's why we have to tell the story. That's why we return to it again and again. That's why we tell it over and over again, year after year. We need to be reminded that in the darkness of our world, God came to bring great light. And with God, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. This Christmas, know that wherever wherever you walk, He walks with you. Wherever your loved one walks, He walks with them. He can walk with them. There is no place that is so dark that His light doesn't shine the way home. As Christians, you have this hope that is within you. 
Sometimes we think that, that God just breaks in out there somewhere, somebody else's life, and, and He did. He broke into a manger, but God is still in the business of breaking in today. And He breaks in and He intersects our life and our circumstances. He breaks in to give us power to live as light in the dark places that we find ourselves in the world. You see, you as Christians don't just have the gift of hope. You are the gift of hope. You are the gift of hope to the people who are around you who are walking in darkness, who are walking in tough places. You are the gift of hope that shines the light of Christ, that tells the story about a God who breaks in, about a God who broke into your life, about a God who broke in in your dark places. You are the gift of hope to those who long to see the light whose forest has been laid bare. See, His first coming came as a silent night. But we believe His second coming will rock the world and will finish exactly what He began. And in this Advent season, we His people are people who cry out, Come, Lord Jesus. As we live in this second, second Advent, we don't need to live timidly. Christmas reminds me that I don't have to wait to live out the hope that is within me. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors in Christ. It doesn't say we're kind of conquerors. It doesn't say we're barely conquerors. It says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. For He has come in the past. He will come in the future. But the message we need to hear today is He is with us today. He is with us right in the midst, right in the midst of what you're struggling with, right in the midst of the circumstance. And I'll tell you, I know that there is someone here today, maybe more than one, who needs to hear that more than they need the very air that they're breathing. He is with you today. In the midst of waiting, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of not knowing, He is with you today. Some of you need to hear that so badly. We are a people of hope. We are people who have experienced the amazing grace of God. That's the reason we tell the story. We tell it again and again because we need to be reminded that God hasn't just worked, God isn't just going to work someday, but that God is working today. And that He really is enough. And that we really can be a people who stand tall, who don't have to live a life that is defeated, for the light of the world has come and light will never be extinguished by darkness. We tell the story over and over again because we remind ourselves He is with us and He is with you. Father, we give thanks today for the ability to come into this place to sing songs that have been about the Christmas season for generations to, to be reminded of Your love and to read this passage out of Isaiah and to think about it. To think about your grace. To think about Emmanuel. Father, I know that in the midst of this season, while there's a lot of joyous things that take place, I know that every person in this place has something on their heart they're concerned about. Every person has a... Maybe it's their child, or maybe it's their parent, or maybe it's a job, or... or or the list goes on and on. I, every person in here has something. God, we just want to invite, invite you in this Christmas season. 
just settle in on our concerns. We might be reminded that we have a hope that is in you. We have a hope that cannot be extinguished. That you come, even in the places where the forest just seems to have wiped out, you are there. In unexpected ways, in unexpected times, you break in. So Lord, today, draw us closer to you. Draw us closer in the midst of, of this journey as we, as we prepare ourselves to celebrate Christmas together. May we open up our hearts and recognize your presence with us today. Emmanuel. I think, God, we could tell stories. There could be people in this room that could tell stories about how you have been their only hope. And when all else has failed, You've been the only foundation they could find to stand. God, may we be reminded that we are a people who are loved and your children. May we stand tall in this time. May we not let the, the news and the TV and the newspapers who just seem to paint the picture of a world where the trees have all been knocked down. May we not let those things stand in the way of our hope. We're yours and we give thanks. May we be a light in the dark places we go this week so others might see you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you as you go.